So now that we can no longer meet, are we still the church? Well, last Sunday was a great start to our series as we learned, yes, we are the church because the church is not a building, but it's people. In other words, the church is you, the church is me. We are the body of Christ. And it was such an important lesson in how crucial and important you are how much we matter to Jesus Christ, how we are the church. And so with that understanding comes great responsibilities. And so we're going to look over our great calling and responsibilities as the church. Now, when I hear the word responsibility, honestly, I hesitate a little bit. And the reason is because I want to know what that responsibility is before I make a commitment. And the reason is I'm selfish. There, I admit it, I am selfish. But here's the thing, you're selfish too. In fact, everyone in this world is selfish. Everyone isn't good people. It's because we're all born sinful. We're born selfish. Now, if you don't believe me, then answer me this question. Do you have to teach a two-year-old to be selfish? Do you have to give a two-year-old selfish lessons? Of course not, because by nature, we are all self-centered. We're selfish from the moment we are born. And then we live in a culture here in America that feeds this selfishness. So when I was a kid growing up, I loved going to McDonald's. And I remember clearly the first time my dad let me order a Big Mac. I mean, that was like a big deal. But then, in 
And we are in a season of life, this COVID-19 quarantine, which kind of fuels this mentality. Because we can't meet at the building, because we are quarantined, then we're asking this question, now that we can't meet, how can we be the church? And many of us do feel quarantined, especially in regard to our walk with Jesus. And for many of us, the reason is because the things that we've always depended upon to help us stay connected to Jesus have been taken away. We can't go to church. We can't be in youth group. We cannot meet in person for our small groups. There's no Bible studies or there's no church dinners happening. And this can have a great impact upon our walk with Jesus when the pillars that we have depended upon for so long, they're no longer present. They're taken away. And that's why this series is important. It's about helping each of us understand who we are and how our connection in Jesus and the church is so vital. So last week, we learned that the church is a body. It's not a building. This week, what we're going to learn is this, that the church isn't sitting, but the church is serving. So what's your picture of church? For many people, their picture of church is going to a place, sitting, singing a couple of songs, listening or half listening to a sermon, trying to stay awake, then getting up and going back home. Is that what Jesus had in mind when he said, I will build my church? Not at all. See, Jesus had in mind a body of his followers united together to represent him to a hopeless and lost world. And one of the most important ways we represent Jesus is by putting our have-it-my-way attitude aside and serving others in the name of Jesus. To be a follower of Jesus is to be serving. And if you are not serving others in the name of Jesus, then are you really following Jesus? To be a follower of Jesus is to be serving. We are not the only ones to struggle with following through with understanding this thing called serving. The church in the city of Corinth struggled with serving. We, we looked at this passage last week from 1 Corinthians 12. See, it's, 1 Corinthians is Paul writing a letter to this church. He addresses many of the problems that this church was having. But one issue he addressed is this they needed to learn the significance of serving Jesus. They needed to, to learn to not allow their own agendas to determine whether they would serve or not. They needed to learn about real service. And so Paul writes three different chapters in this letter, chapter 12, 13, and 14, all about his guidance to them in serving. And so like them, we together as Wildwood Christian Church need to learn this important key that the church is about serving others, not sitting on the sidelines. To be a follower of Jesus is to be serving others. So turn to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to begin in verse 4. You follow along in your scripture and listen as our passage is read to us. There are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit distributes them. 
There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one it is the same God at work. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. So let me give you, so let's share a basic understanding of Paul's teaching about serving as the church. I mean, there's a lot of ideas about what serving as the church means, a lot of ideas about what that looked like. You probably have a picture in your head of what it means to serve. And so Paul provides some important principles here about serving in the church, which are so crucial. And these principles come directly from Jesus himself. So principle number one is this. We serve at God's direction. Serving is guided by and directed by God. So when we speak about serving in relationship to our Christianity, we need to understand at its very core that serving is about following God's will. It's about following God's plan. So here in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul writes these words beginning in verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God who's at work. So Paul there says there are different gifts, there are different service, and there is different working. Gifts, service, working. All of those are synonyms for spiritual gifts, and they all work together. So the word gift um, means it is given to us from God. It, the word service is also the word ministry, and that's to others. And that word working means something is effective or something is energized. So God gives his children gifts to minister to others, and he energizes us to be effective in using those gifts. And even notice how Paul works in the Trinity in this description, the same spirit, the same Lord, and the same God. And so the reason we use the phrase spiritual gifts is because they are given, they are guided, they are energized, they are directed by God himself. And so serving isn't have it your way, but serving is doing things God's way. So principle number one, we serve at God's direction. And the second principle that Paul gives us is we serve at God's direction for others. See, these gifts have a unity in source 
God, Jesus, the Spirit, but they also have a unity in purpose. See, they're not given um, for personal enrichment. They are not given solely for the benefit of the person that God gives them to, but rather they're given for the benefit of other people. And in Paul's words, he says they're given for what he calls the common good. Look at verse 7 there. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, that word good and common good means to be profitable or to be advantageous. And so the common good means it's not my good, but it's the good of all. It's profitable for all. It's advantageous for all. Now, for most of us, we think of a gift given to us that it's for our benefit, my birthday present, my Christmas gift. But the gifts of God, though we do receive value and benefit from them, the purpose of them being given to you and to me is for the good of others. In other words, God gives you and I spiritual gifts so that we can serve and help others which is why it is important to use your gifts when we gather as a church. And someday, yes, we will gather again. But using those spiritual gifts isn't just limited to Sunday or to church. So let's take a moment and talk a little bit about spiritual gifts. We've already learned that they are given to us by God for the good of other people. And if you look in the writings of Paul, there are several lists found in which he gives us lists of spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14. Um, Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4. But you need to understand those are not comprehensive lists. In other words, God isn't limited to just giving those types of gifts and nothing else. The way spiritual gifts are listed in the New Testament makes them kind of a combination of talents and abilities and experiences and personality of that individual Christian combined with the specific needs of the church in that particular time and place and culture. See, God gave them as he sees best so that we can be used by him to meet the needs at that time and at that place. And the range of function covered by Paul's various gifts of list um, makes it likely that any combination of talents, abilities, um, experiences, endowments, however suddenly given or leisurely cultivate, must qualify as a spiritual gift. Here's the caveat. If a believer uses them for God's glory and for his work in the world, any, understand this, anything you do to the glory of God and in the name of Jesus in this world is serving. It is using your gifts for Jesus. Because we serve at God's direction for others. Now Paul continues this passage of scripture by clarifying a couple of uh, misunderstandings or myths the people of Corinth had of spiritual gifts. So one of the misunderstandings or myths was I would call the myth of insignificance. Some of the people in that church didn't serve because they felt that their contribution was meaningless, that was insignificant, it didn't really matter. So here's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12 beginning in verse 14. 
Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. I mean, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? It's one of those kind of strange, humorous, but effective pictures. I mean, to think that my role is insignificant or that I am not needed as a part of the body of Christ is absolutely false. In fact, Paul makes it very clear that God has you just where he needs you. He goes on in verse 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Questioning our serving is questioning God. And not using the spiritual gifts, talents, opportunities that he puts in front of us is disobeying God. The very task to which God calls you in insignificance is the very place God needs you to influence. Don't fall for the myth of insignificance. There's a second misunderstanding or a second myth that he alludes to here in chapter 12, and that's the myth of independence. Apparently, some in that church church chose not to serve because they felt like they didn't need other people, that they were so independent in their spiritual maturity, they didn't need others. This is kind of the refrain, I don't need you. Look what he says in verse 20 of 1 Corinthians 12. As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. I mean, we see the foolishness of this mentality. But it's devastating when it's brought to bear in Jesus' church. You see, we need one another. One of the things that has been highlighted by this COVID crisis over the past several weeks, that being alone for this extended period of time, it's challenging to our relationship with Jesus. I mean, we weren't made to do this alone. We need the help. We need the ministry. We need the service. We need the gifts of other people in the church. Don't fall for this myth of independence that I don't need other people. We need to be serving Jesus. So if you are a follower of Jesus, then you are serving. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are serving. Using what God has given you for God's glory to meet the need at that moment. So if I'm a follower of Jesus, that means I need to be serving. But we encounter one pretty significant problem right now. What is that problem? The doors are locked. In fact, nobody's in there. Notice how echoey it sounds in here. Because there's nobody present. Nobody. Nobody in the building. 
no one to greet, no one to say hi to, no one walking through the door. I mean, how can you serve in a place that there literally is nobody here? Maybe somebody's in here, they're hiding out in here. You know, the problem is you walk in here and what? There is nobody at all in these seats. Nobody. There's nobody up on the stage. Look at that. Nobody in here. How can I serve if nobody's even in the whole entire building? I know. There's got to be somebody in the kitchen getting coffee ready. Everybody's desperate for coffee. But what? Nobody in here at all. Nobody. What's the deal? I need my coffee, but nobody's in here to even make it for. How can I serve if there's nobody even here? There's got to be some babies back here, right? Some babies to take care of. Let's look back here. Surely Brandy hasn't abandoned all the children, has she? How about in here? Any babies empty? How can I serve if nobody is here? Look at this. Not a soul to be found. Doug, how can I serve young people if there's no young people present? How can I serve Jesus if nobody is in the church? So how can I serve if the building is shut? How can I serve if church is quarantined? That's why the question, what is the church, is so important. Now that we can no longer meet, are we still the church? It's such an important question to wrestle with, specifically as we think about that part of our Christian walk that's about serving other people. Since the building is shut, does that mean I'm on vacation from serving? But as we think about this place with nobody there, we have to wrestle with, how do I serve if nobody is present? So to help us understand how we can serve in light of this pandemic, church quarantined, we can't go to the building. Let me share with you two just practical thoughts. Thought number one is this. We serve for the church. For those of you listening that are followers of Jesus, God has given you gifts and he wants you to use them for the church. See, God wants every person to be active. He wants every follower of his to make a difference for the church. There is something for every part of the church to do. So therefore, if you're not doing anything for your church, then there is something that God wants to have done that's not being done. People are staying lonely. Needs are not being met. Prayers are not being prayed. Mercy is not being shown. See, God wants his church to be full of people that are not, well, what about me and my needs? Have it my way. But God wants his church to be full of people using their gifts to make a difference in the lives of other believers. And God has called you if you are a follower of Jesus, to serve for the church to make a difference. I mean, that's why the church is often pictured as a family. That I, 
use my gifts to help meet your needs. You use your gifts to help meet the needs of others who are a part of the church. Thought number one is this. God calls you to serve for his church. The second thought is this, that God calls you to serve as the church. See, not only do we serve for his church, which is so important to build up one another and to encourage one another, but you, using your gifts and abilities, serve as his church in this world. And this quarantine has forced the church to refocus and to realize that you are the church serving as the church in this world. Here's how Jesus says it in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. The town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That they may see what? Your good deeds, your service, your ministry, your spiritual gifts, the tasks in the world combined with living for Jesus is what makes your light shine for Jesus. And you and I have this amazing opportunity right now in this challenging time to be a light to this world by how we serve and minister and use our gifts. We cannot serve in the church, though again, someday we will need you again. But you can serve as the church in your neighborhood. I'm so thankful for a multitude of examples of those who serve as the church in this world and are making such a difference. One such example is our own Andy Bell. Andy took the experiences that he had, the skills as a carpenter, the passion that he had for young people. He saw a need and he was instrumental in the building of what's called the Love Lulu Skill Center. And on a regular basis, Andy teaches young people important skills to give them confidence to know that people are on their side. And he uses other men from our church like Tom and George and others. And together, they are a light for these young men and women in a time that they desperately need that. Imagine the impact this kind of light shining serving can have as the church in the world. What is God calling you to do? Listen to what Steve Sogren says. God's love must be communicated from person to person, not just from page to person. If his love could be sent through printed information alone, we could simply flood our cities with gospel tracts and then rest assured that we have done our part. Deeds of love allow us to sneak into the hearts of those we serve. Even though people aren't conscious of what's happening, they are welcoming us and the God we represent into the fortress of their hearts. God calls all of us to serve for the church, and he calls us to serve as the church to be a light in this world. I'm so thankful 
for the many examples that have come my way and in the way of other people that show us that there are people who've been willing to set aside their habit, their own way, attitude and mentality and use their time and talents and experiences and gifts and opportunities to serve as the church. Hey guys, I'm back at the family farm, the Circle J. Today's sermon topic service is something very important to me because it's played a huge role in my entire walk with the Lord. My parents instilled us at a young age that service in the church is very important. They had a philosophy that if the church doors were open, we were to be there. If the church janitor was cleaning, we were to pick up and start helping them clean. We were at every church function, service thing, all these different things. We were to be there and we were there and I have all these memories of that. You know, it's important for us to use our gifts and talents for the Lord. My dad had this love for cooking and on Wednesday nights, at the church I grew up in, they would have a Wednesday night meal before they had Bible studies. And my dad was the one in the church kitchen cooking those meals. And if there was a church-wide meal after church on a Sunday, he was the one planning that and organizing that. You know, he used his gift and love of cooking to serve the Lord. My mom, she has this, um, she's a teacher and she's somebody that if you set her down for a project, she can work on hours for it for you and to get it done. She doesn't mind tedious things. I'm definitely not that way. So there's special people for that, which is a great thing to have that we're not all just the same talents, you know, get creative. What is it that you are talented at? What have, what has God gifted you with? What passions has he gifted you with that you can in turn share with the church and share with others to encourage them? You know, for me, I love teaching the kids and I love working with them and you might be the same way. We can always use more help in the kids ministry and serving them. They are such a gift and it's such a wonder to see and they have instilled in me different things of a passion for the word of God because in teaching to them I'm learning more about it and you know just watching them have this awe whenever they learn about the different things about the Lord and they just become this thing that I like to call God struck. And it's like awestruck, but God struck. And um, it's amazing to watch that. And it makes me want to have that as well and have that childlike wonder with my faith. Now, another example I had growing up was my grandfather. In high school, he decided that he was going to use his passion and his talent for playing the piano to serve in any church that he went to. And he did that. Any church that him and my grandmother went to and were members of, he would play the piano for worship for the Lord. I have such wonderful, wonderful examples in my whole life of people serving the church at large. Now, we also have wonderful examples throughout this whole quarantine thing in these months that have been going on of people serving the Lord still and finding creative ways to serve. What can you do that's creative, that's going to use your talents and the gifts that Lord has, the Lord has gifted you with to serve Him and to glorify Him? I really challenge you to do that. Don't let your talents and your passions go to waste because we're a little um, inconvenienced right now. What can you do that's going to serve the Lord and glorify Him? So here, I want to share with you um, a challenge and an opportunity. Here's the challenge. Over the next seven days, between now and next Sunday, I want you to serve for the church and serve as the church. For the church, as the church. Take opportunity to serve somebody else in our church in some way. And then take opportunity to serve somebody outside of the church. Then the opportunity that we want to present to you is this. 
that Sarah Barnard, again, is going to be taking a whole bunch of supplies down to Love the Lou to help provide Lucas uh, with the necessary pieces to be able to meet the needs of those that he's ministering to. So the list of items is found um, in the bulletin that was emailed to you Friday or Saturday. Um, you can use that information to text Sarah so that she can help arrange for a pickup or a drop-off. Um, this is our opportunity to meet some great needs as the church. I challenge you to take advantage of this opportunity. So are we the church since we cannot meet? Absolutely. Because it's not just about sitting, but it's about serving. It's about serving for Jesus. So I want you to listen to this fictional tale about Jesus and his disciples. The story begins on, on a day when Jesus was teaching some of those essential lessons of life to his core of 12. And on this particular day, Jesus stopped along a path. He instructed the disciples to each pick up a stone and to carry it for him. And so they all complied, selecting stones of various sizes. Now Peter, not wanting to overdo things, chose one that would be not too much of a burden, but it was more in the range of a pebble than of a stone. So they traveled to the top of a mountain, and there Jesus turned their stones into bread for them to eat. Tired and very hungry, they had, each of them, food proportionate to what they had chosen to carry for the master. Now, Peter would have had nothing more than a cracker for lunch that day, but John was generous and gave him some of his. It was about a week later that Jesus repeated his stone-carrying instructions to his band of future leaders. Now, Peter, he was not about to make the same mistake twice. So he heaved upon his shoulder the largest rock that he could find. He was going to eat well that day. And Jesus led them down along the shaded banks of the Jordan River, looking for just the right place to stop. And when he found it, he simply told them to throw their stones into the river. And as Peter's boulder dropped from his shoulder, he stared at the master in disbelief. And Jesus met his gaze. He came close to the hungry disciple and he whispered these words, For whom did you carry the stone? It's so easy to get things turned around. We can easily find ourselves serving for our own benefit. But intimate humility keeps before each one of us the question, for whom am I carrying the stone? My prayer today is that, Lord, you would help Wildwood to be a place where we set aside our me-first mentality, that we follow the example of Jesus. You have gifted us in so many ways to serve, and for that we are so thankful. Lord, help us to open our hearts Open our minds to you. Help us to be people who do whatever it is that you've called us to do for one another as the church and as the church in a world who desperately needs your light and your encouragement. In your most precious name we pray. Amen.